0: Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, good morning, everybody. We are continuing on in our series in 1 Peter, but What I do want to do is I want to take a second and um, continue to just create an atmosphere of prayer for us as a church. Um, I would love it if you are a married or engaged couple. Would you just stand up for us today? Married or engaged, you just stand up. Just stay standing. Stay standing. And I just, I just want to take a second and just pray over your marriages. I believe that uh, marriage is always going to be attacked by the challenges of life. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit is upholding you in this season. Would you join me in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, I first pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in these marriages. I pray, God, that they would not do marriage in the flesh but rather they would do it in the spirit. I pray that the energy in their marriage, the focus in their marriage is not primarily on one another, but it's on you. And when we are fully submitted to you, the power of the Holy Spirit grows us. We need need men and women just to grow in Christ, not just to be strong in marriage, but to grow in Christ. God, I pray for anyone that is going through a season right now where they're wondering how they're going to make it. And I pray that they would, before they recommit to one another, they recommit to you. That the spirit of God would be reigning in their life. Lord, I pray for a spirit of reconciliation. In their marriage, I pray for anything that's been harbored, any bitterness, anything that has been buried within their hearts but not communicated. God, I pray for a spirit of reconciliation. Uh, We forgive because you first forgave us. We love because you first loved us. So, God, I pray that you would just shower these couples with the love of Jesus Christ. The acceptance and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and that would flow from the vertical to the horizontal, so that they might experience You first and to one another. Secondly, I do pray for their finances, God, um, Lord. So many couples uh, struggle not because they lack in money, but the the pressure from finances causes many conflicts, Lord. So I I don't pray that our couples would be rich. I do pray they'd be prospering spiritually, Lord. I pray that they would have a vision of stewardship. I pray that you'd get them on the same page with the same financial philosophy so that it will not rain bitterness and, and confusion, God. So I just pray you get them on the same page. But then I also do pray that wherever they're at today, increase where they are so that they might glorify you. Don't, um, um, don't just add another zero to their account but rather lord add greater perspective add greater perspective to them because you can be rich but spiritually poor and you can be poor but spiritually rich so god shower them with your love and your grace and then finally lord as you just in the power of the holy spirit reigns over their life as they live a life reconciled, as they have the same financial philosophy, Lord, would you just launch them into ministry? Lord, uh, forgive us in thinking that marriage is the goal. Marriage is not the goal. Ministry is the goal. Uh, We are together to be partners so that people might see Christ in us. So, Lord, for the husbands and the wives that are here, Lord, I pray that you get them on the same page, not so that they can have a happier life, but that they can have a life that glorifies you more. For truly, we want people to see Jesus in us. So, God, anoint these couples that they might have the glory of God shining all around them. And then when it's all said and done, the kids will say, I saw Jesus in my parents. I saw Jesus in them. No, we didn't have a lot, but I saw Jesus in them. No, no, they, we, we didn't go on vacation all the time, but I saw Jesus in them. Might there be a ministry in their home? So use these couples in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 God bless you. Well, we're continuing on, as I said, in the, in the book of 1 Peter. And uh, 1 Peter is an interesting book because as we've talked about, we are dealing with the issue of hope. The community there has been exiled. That is to say that they have a home that they've seen their whole lives or for many generations, but they've been exiled because of the Roman Empire. So they're scattered abroad. They have no place to really go to feel safe. And so the book is not just about hope, but the book is about hope while suffering, while going through trials. And so we want to continue on. Last week, we mentioned that Peter talks about a perspective you should have while suffering. And we talked about how it is a fire. He uses the analogy of a fire, but it wasn't just any fire. It was the refiner's fire. And the refiner's fire is a fire that molds you and shapes you. So he says that while you are going through trials, you should realize that it is being used by God to make you look more like him. But while Peter is giving this insight, he continues on in this same chapter, in the first chapter, and what he's trying to get at is while you go through hard seasons, there is a natural word you use, and that is why. Why am I going through this? He says, well, there's the refiner's fire, and over time, you begin to look back And you say, oh, I know why. And you've had that happen to you before. You've been denied things, and five years later, you go, that's why you did that, Lord, thank you. You've been rejected by people, and five years later, you're like, I don't want them anyway. (laughs) You had opportunities that you thought were the right thing for you, and five years later, you're like, I don't even want to talk to those people no more. So hindsight is twenty-twenty, where you have understanding over... Time, And this is what the scripture says, Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So we are completely grateful for how God has over time worked things together for good. We are grateful for the seasons of trial that he's given us so that we might be molded and shaped and given better perspective. But today... Peter is going to help you understand one thing. That though hindsight will offer you understanding, you will not always understand everything you go through. There will be things you will not understand until you're in glory. And if, you, and if your hope is based on understanding, you will be a better, very bitter person. But if you can know that there will be some things you understand and some things that won't make sense. Life is like a puzzle. And unfortunately, there are missing pieces that we will never find. Now, if you can if you can sit with that, then you'll understand that you can hope in God while suffering and while not understanding. Anselm of Canterbury said all theology is is fake Faith seeking understanding. And truly, that is what it is. We will not understand, but we have a faith that we pursue and try to understand God's desire for us. It is then here in 1 Peter that we will look and we will see. Peter's going to try to get us to understand that part of having faith is that you don't see it. But you understand that God is good, but you don't fully understand it. Then he's gonna talk about the prophets and how they didn't fully understand. And then he's gonna talk about how angels and how they don't fully understand. But in the end, we should all still have a, a heart to hope in God. And we have said throughout this series that hope is nothing more than expecting great things from God. Is that you today? Do you expect great things from God. Look at 1st Peter 1 and 8 with me. 1st Peter 1 and 8. The text says, 1st Peter 1 and 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled With glory. Now, that is a very powerful statement to make to people that are in exile, in trial, in pain. He's saying, though you have never seen the Lord Jesus Christ, you have this deep abiding joy in you. You know, Peter could not say, though I have not seen him, I love him. Because Peter saw him. Peter walked with Jesus. And this is written about 60 years later. So the imagery that he has in his mind is, I walked with Jesus, I met Jesus, I saw miracles from Jesus, and you've never experienced what I've experienced, but we still simultaneously have the same love and affection for Jesus. You know, the story of Peter himself is uh, an amazing story when he's called by Jesus to follow him. In Luke chapter 5, it tells us this story, and I I just want to read it to you quickly because I think it's so appropriate to understand Peter's perspective on the people that he's talking to. He says in Luke chapter 5, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets and getting into one of the boats, which was Simon. So that means that Jesus just decided to hop on in Peter's boat. His name is Simon. He later is called Peter. He asked him to put out a little while from the land and he sat down and taught the people. So that's just an awkward feeling where you are just fishing all night. And Jesus is like can I he didn't even say can I use your boat he just jumped in his boat. Thank you Jesus. <laughs> Verse 4 it says and when he had finished speaking he said to Simon put out into the deep let your nets and let your nets down for a catch. And this is what Peter says to him. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I've been fishing here all night with a whole crew with me. But at your word, he says, I will let down the nets. I'll give you a try. And in verse six, it says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. Jesus performs a miracle fishing in the morning when good fishing is actually done at night and they had so much fish that they had to put fish in the other boat now if you did that for me i would say thank you jesus for you are a dynamic fisherman (laughs) but what he says is very powerful he says to jesus Simon, verse eight, Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. For he who, for he and all who are with him are astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. Peter realized you're more than a fierce fisherman. You're more than a miracle worker. You are the son of God. And I have no business being in your presence. I, I, I was fishing last night, but there's been nights when I wasn't fishing. And here's what I'm trying to say. If you knew everything about me, you wouldn't want me on your team. I, I, I have so many mistakes I've made, Jesus, that if you knew everything, I, I couldn't follow you. Get, get out of my boat. Get out my life. I shouldn't even be around you. And what Jesus says to him transforms him. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Not only does Jesus jump into his boat, not only does he perform a miracle, not only does he continue to accept him in the midst of his own own perceived foolishness, he also says, I will redirect the purpose of your life. And just like you were toiling all night to catch fish, you will toil all your life to catch people so that they might know me. He completely transforms Peter's purpose and the drive and the assignment on his life. And what Peter presumes to the people who have been exiled is this has happened to you. Oh, he jumped in my boat, but you remember when he jumped into your life. When all of a sudden you were in a relationship with him. And you've had times when you have felt Far too sinful to be in the presence of a holy God. You, there's been days you walked into church and you thought the whole place was going to burn up, would you? <laughs> Say, I have no business being in here. And if you've continued to follow him, you've seen him redirect your purpose just from doing temporal things to now doing eternal things. And what this causes is love. We love him because he first loved He jumped into our boat and changed our direction. He's saying to them, didn't this happen to you? Didn't that happen? Didn't that transform? Don't you just love him the way he transforms you? And this is the perspective that he's saying. When God transforms your life, look at the rest of the verse. He says, it causes an inexpressible joy. The word inexpressible says essentially uh, too big to be uttered by words that you can't always capture it in thoughts, but he's been so good to you that you can't get your thoughts together. (laughs) My dad is a pastor and, um, you know, I grew up in the traditional black church and uh, oftentimes, when my dad would get up, he would talk real slow. And uh, he would get up in front of the congregation. This was before his sermon. And I tell you, this is what he would do. He would say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. and all he's done for me my soul and then the whole crowd would just break out and he would just pause and say my soul and I'm telling you and and look there and you know when you're a kid you don't know what people doing you know there would be I had this one auntie she would just jump up and down and I literally I'd be like mama what's she doing and my mom would be like well she just and she just get caught up too and they all just I'm like well I can't get an answer out of these people and, and what I, re- and see, and at the time I didn't understand, but as I got older, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. I cannot testify to you in words everything he's done, he's been too good for words. There are times where my emotions outweigh my words. Yeah. Now, 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 stay right there, because this is what Peter is trying to communicate to people. He says, hasn't this happened to you? Hasn't this happened to you? Haven't you had that moment? He says, now, look at this. You've never actually seen him. But you're filling yourself with joy over a person you've never even seen. See, because there comes a point where you say, to, you say, God, I got to see something. I, I got to, I'm sorry, but if we're going to keep doing this, I got to see it. I got to see it. And and then, and then, and some Peter is trying to walk up to you and like, so you're, let me just, I want to work with you. You need to see something from the God you've never seen. Is this what you're saying? You need to see something now. Well, I'm sorry. It started off as a faith walk because you've never had the physical reality of Jesus like I did. But you do have the emotional transformation because you love him like I do. So this is, therefore, what stimulates our hope. Look what it says in Hebrews uh, 11 and 1. I had to pull out the King James because there's some things that the king helps us with. (laughs) Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what he's saying is, you have evidence of what God has done. So when you are in a season when you don't know what God is doing, you have to take the evidence of what God has done and apply it to what you do not see. It is an evidence or a conviction of things not seen. So when things are getting dark, you must understand that hope is when you take what you saw God do in the light and apply it to the dark. And you've got to continue to rehearse to yourself all that he has done because your walk was never about seeing God move. You saw him move. And so he will continue to put you in gaps where you don't see nothing. And if you want to increase in faith, you will decrease in sight. That is how the faith walk works. You say, I want more faith. Well, then you're going to see, you're going to see God moving less. Isn't that the, <laughs> it's like you weren't ready for that part. Because in those gaps, you've got to trust more. So, so what God does is he is saying that suffering will cause you to deepen your faith. And you've got to preach to yourself about how good God has been to you. And when no one else is helping you to see the truth, you've got to learn how to be the greatest preacher to yourself. Because only you know those quiet moments when you and him were together. There were things that you've never even told people that God has done. And you must continue to realize That that rehearsal you do in your mind, that's hope. That's hope. I don't see you moving, but I know you've moved. That's hope. That's hope. And so you take all that evidence and you produce in yourself hope. Stop waiting for a new season. Stop waiting for a new job. Stop waiting for a new year. Well, this is my year. It was your year last year. If he gave you breath, it was your year. Stop waiting. Stop waiting. He's given you enough to worship him today. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for a new thing. The new thing can't outdo the old gospel. Stop waiting. Stop waiting. God has been good. He's been good to me. He's been good to you. And you've got to remind yourself when everything is bad, God is good. God is good. So what, So Peter is getting at this picture of, you've never seen him, y'all. You know, one of the things that we should do is give atheists more credit. Because when we worship, we don't sing about Jesus, we sing to Jesus. Someone we've never seen and, if, and if, an, if an atheist or if you're an atheist here today or if you're a person that's just kind of like I don't know what these people are doing but my friend brought me I get it like you should really give people credit who don't have spiritual feelings because at the end of the day we sing to a person we've never seen nor had a, con- a physical conversation with and if someone thought that was certifiably crazy you should be able to say I get that yeah. because it's based in faith yeah. not in sight you're right I've never seen him, but he's been good to me. Yeah. You see, so, so, so allow the awkwardness of our faith to resonate with you. Our evidence is based in the transformation he's made in our lives. Peter then says, well, consider this. Um, uh, look, look back in 1 Peter One, uh, look back in verse 9. He says about this faith and this uh, being filled with glory. He says, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I just want to make a quick point about that. When he says obtaining the outcome of your faith, the outcome of your faith, really what he's saying is anticipating the outcome of our full salvation. That is heaven. So he's saying that we get filled with joy inexpressible about who God has been. But we cannot have our joy be stimulated by current circumstances alone. There is a heavenly joy that we always have access to. That's what he's saying. The outcome of our faith, the anticipation of glory is what he's talking about. And as he talks about this, as he gives this imagery He then says, think about, consider the prophets, verse 10. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. He now says, you have a faith seeking understanding he says but think about our faith even the prophets who were prophesying about the current realities of Christ they did not fully understand what they were talking about they didn't even, he's saying they the prophets didn't have full understanding when you look at the prophets he says they've searched and inquired carefully but they they weren't fully sure of what they were communicating so they said there were there was There was suffering, but there was glory as well. When you look in the Psalms, Psalms 22, in the same Psalm, Psalm 22 and one says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off from saving me from the words of my groaning? We all know that this is what Jesus said on the cross. The prophets predicted the sufferings of Christ. But then also in the same Psalm, It speaks to Psalm 22 and 27. It says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. That day is still yet to come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be a day when earth, all of earth will give him glory for who he is. In the same Psalm, The psalmist predicts the sufferings. He also predicts the glory, but the timeline is all jacked up. In fact, the prophets didn't fully understand the timeline. They had themes, suffering and glory, but no timeline. One of the things that we therefore see from the prophets is that they had those two big perspectives, suffering and glory. We will then, what Peter's trying to get at, is we are like the prophets in many ways, where we search and inquire carefully the will of God, but we really don't understand the timeline. We don't understand fully what God is doing. We understand themes, we understand that we will suffer and there will be glory, but we don't know how the whole plan will work out. And we are glorying in what the prophets wrote. One of the things he's saying is the prophets were sensing something for another generation, but they thought they would see it in their generation. And sometimes God gives you a a drive and a desire and you won't see it. But the generation behind you will. I know y'all are young. That's the, y'all like, eh, not my, I'm going to be, I'm I'm going to be the one. I'm him. I'm her. I get it. I get it. I get it. But just live, listen, like my grandmama, you live long enough. If you live long enough, you'll realize that maybe God has given you a vision, not for you, but for a generation behind you. And and it's okay. It's it's okay. Because I, I, I love the fact that he chose me to be a part of the play. If if I got to be a tree and just be like this the whole time, Lord, I will be whatever you want me to be in your drama. I'm just glad to be a part of the number. I don't have to be the center of the story because you are. So just, just understand the, the prophets didn't even understand. Do you, do you, understand what I'm trying to get you? Some of you are stuck in understanding. Oh, I don't get it. Right, right. Amen. Sermon accomplished. You will not always understand. And you will also be Misunderstood. So if you need to fully understand God and be fully understood by people, you are going to have a hard life. But what he's clearly saying is our whole faith from the beginning of your faith. Oh, look at the prophets. The prophets didn't even understand how God's going to give you the secrets. He's going to give you. No, we don't. We don't. We won't always understand. And it hurts. It hurts. There are things, there, there, are, there are traumas that you've been through, things in your family. And that's, that's part of the reason why we talked about this last week about various trials. That's why we got to be slow to try to minister to people and tell people what they're going through. First of all, we don't fully understand why people went. See, girl, that's why you went through that, because you don't know. <laughs> you don't fully know. So sometimes we just need to be prayerful people, not advice giving people, Right. <laughs> because our lives aren't the blueprint of what God's doing globally, amen? Amen. The truth of the matter is, I know some things God is doing in my life, and oh, what he's done has been powerful. I've looked back over the years, and I've been able to say, God truly did work all that together, but I don't need to see everything come together to praise him. I've seen enough, you know? If you don't do nothing else, I've, I've seen enough. God has been good to me. And that's that's our hope is built in that. Lastly, the scripture says, those are my kids. Just so that you go. You're like, who is that? Those are my children. And I'm and I'm seeking understanding. Amen. Verse 12, he says. Not only has your faith been a picture of just faith seeking understanding. Not only has it, the prophets were, they had faith, but they were seeking understanding. But lastly, he says something powerful. He says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and things. You have now announced to you those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven. were sent from heaven. Things, look at this, that angels long to look into. Can you believe that? The angels have these songs that we get the opportunity to read about. In Luke chapter 2, we see that the angels came down and said, Glory to God in the highest and, the earth, and, and on earth peace among those whom he's pleased. And in, in the Revelation 15, it says, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What we see from the angels is the angels have a habit of singing about God's character. They say he's holy. They talk about his glory. They talk about his worthiness. And all day, angels sing about who God is. But this text, this little little text, Peter tells us something about the angels, The angels spend all day singing about God's glory glory, while simultaneously not fully understanding His plan. And what I believe Peter is trying to get at is we're a lot like the angels, where we are convinced of God's character, of His goodness, of His mercy, but we long to look into what God is fully doing. We are curious about certain things. We have wonder about why, not only why God allowed us to go through some things, but why did God give us certain victories? Why did God give us certain benefits? It really, life really is a mystery in that sense. Because there are parents you didn't choose, states you didn't choose to live in, opportunities you know good and well you could not have put yourself in a position. In many ways, you long to look into and understand what God was doing. But the angels are not known for their curiosity. They're known for their praise. And far be it from us to want to be known for just only asking questions. The good thing about this is that we should be curious. We should ask questions. We should want to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But that should not stop us from abundantly giving God praise and glory. Just like the angels for his character. Because God doesn't just do good things. God is good. It's his character, and because it's his character, no matter how dark my life is, I know his character is greater than my darkness. I know his character, I've seen him, and I've seen what he's done, and listen, I have been confused about his character at times. How can you be so good, and this situation is so mangled together, and there are things over time I've seen that yes, God is good, though. And I want to minister quickly to those who, as I'm preaching to you, you hear the words that I'm saying, but you also are feeling the weight of life. There are some things that are so hard to think about. Even when you think about it, you begin to cry. There are some situations that you've been placed in that it breaks your heart to think about. There are some burdens that God has allowed you to uniquely go through that you can barely get the words out, God is good, because the situations were so bad. Trial after trial after trial. And I've, I've ministered long enough to know why one of the most powerful things about counsel is just to sit with people. Because there are something, you know, when I'm doing college ministry and somebody's, you know, tried to fill out their FAFSA and all this, it's like I can give them quick answers. But when you're with a woman who's had seven miscarriages, what you say? When when you're with somebody who has had been diagnosed with terminal cancer, beats it, gets diagnosed with terminal cancer again, beats it, gets diagnosed with terminal cancer again, beats it, gets diagnosed with terminal cancer again, and passes away before the age of 40. And you minister to their wife. When you see young people pass away with unexplainable diseases, and you minister to family members, and none of us are promised a life where we will not experience those things. And some of you, as as you're hearing the sound of my voice, you're thinking about a very deep moment in your life. And you think to yourself, how can I lift up my voice right now and say God is good? And so I want to close with a brief story of a man who went through intense trial, but was still able to say God is good. As we celebrate Black History Month and it comes to a close, we're reminded of Charles Albert Tinley. He was born a slave. Albert Tinley was born in Maryland in July of 1851. His mother was a free woman, but she passed away. And then at the age of four years old, one year later, Because he was a slave, he was separated from his father. When he became old enough, he was known as a freeborn, hired out, still to work with slaves. God gave Tindley a desire to excel in reading, so much so that he taught himself to read and write. He would go on to become a preacher, and thousands would come to his church he would have three children his daughter hester at the age of 1 years old would pass away from pneumonia his other daughter irene 20 years later who was only 13 years old would pass away from tuberculosis now this man Born into slavery, mother dies, taken from his father, has to teach himself how to read and write, ends up having kids, and two of those kids die. Now, you talk about wonder. You talk about why. You talk about why me. And I'm sure in the midst of his preaching, thousands came to his church And what they saw was a man ministering not just from pain. What the story doesn't tell us is God did something. God jumped into his boat, God transformed his purpose. The story doesn't tell us that, it just tells us that he's a preacher. But what Charles Albert Tinley did is he would write songs, and it wasn't the blues. And he put together a song and he said it like this. Trials dark on every hand. And we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow him till we die. And we'll understand it better by and by would go on to say by and by when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered in home, we will tell the story of how we overcome and will understand it better by and by. And Charles is saying that I do not understand why my little babies were taken from me. I do not understand why I was taken from my own father. I do not understand why my mother would die. I don't understand why I couldn't read and write. And I don't understand all the hardness in my life. But I know that God is good. And one day I'll understand. By and by. And one day we'll be in heaven rehearsing earth. Talking about y'all remember pain? Man, that was something. (laughs) Y'all remember that? I remember pain. That was something else, boy. Pain was, pain was, a, that was, that was tough. What he's saying is in heaven, we'll have stories about pain from yesteryear. And in, in heaven, we'll look back and understand everything. And we're going to tell stories to one another. And this week, you're going to be in the gap of understanding and faith. And every now and then, you need to remember Charles Albert Tinsley, and just say, "By and by, we'll, I'll understand this." But I don't need understanding to praise you, God. By and by, I'll tell the story of how I overcome, and we'll understand it better. By and by, would you stand with me, Father? By and by. When the morning comes, all the saints will be gathered and will tell the story of how we overcome. Father, we pray this afternoon for a desire to just follow you, Jesus. Follow you, Jesus. I just want to follow you. I want to be with you. God, for the misunderstanding that's in this room right now, fill that gap with faith right now, Jesus. For those that are those who are suffering right now with things that they can't even put into words. God, I pray that you would not only give them your presence, but give them an inexpressible joy. That the text give them that inexpressible joy. Give them a mysterious joy. And we pray in the end, Jesus. If we don't have a story we can remember, we remember one story where there was a man who was sinless, but he was put on a cross for our sin. And we remember that there was a man who was put in a grave and everyone said he's gone. No one was waiting at the grave for him, but three days later he rose again. And so if we have no other story of how you can turn a situation around and how we can hope, we have the one story above all stories. At the name of Jesus, you have resurrection power. If I'm in a bad marriage, don't tell me you can't minister a bad marriage if you can make a dead man raised to life. If I'm in any situation, I know that the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit lives in me. So if I don't understand, by and by we'll understand it. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging to you. We would love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. If this message was impactful to you today, please send us an email, info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handles on our social media platforms is bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you are in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services on Sundays are at 11 a.m. And the address is 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.